Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show with Steve and Trish, sponsored by our friends at Paychex. Trish, it's an exciting show for us today. It's our first actual recording of the new year, and we're welcoming back a frequent guest, one of our favorite guests, quite honestly, one of our most popular guests that we have on the HR Happy Hour Show every year, Ben Brooks from Pilot. We're going to be talking about retention, development, employee experience, maybe a little bit about resilience, too, and trying to fight burnout, right, as we head into year three of uh, the pandemic. But before we get into that with Ben and welcome him, Trish, I have a question for you, a real simple one. Uh, over the holiday break, I took some time off for sure, played a few games, right, did the board game thing a little bit. Trish, what game would you say in your life you have spent the most hours playing? That is such a tough question. As in board games, right? Like physical games, not video games. Interpret it any way you will, Trish. This, we, this is not a graded quiz. Feel like Battleship. Oh, good one. Good and one. I'm gonna name a couple: Battleship and uh, Othello. Have you played Othello? I have. I used Not to play to that a ton. It sounds like you have, but okay. I love Battleships. I actually own Battleship in my house yeah. today. Currently, I do too. Yeah. I do, and I make my I make my almost grown children play it with me occasionally, and also Connect Four. I'm really, really good. Ooh, good one. Like I, I can win. You're I on think it. I can Just, beat anybody. You're on the yeah. games. I'm going easy for me. I'm going Scrabble all the way. Oh, yeah. See, I love Scrabble. Played a ton of Scrabble in my life, both uh, now still playing it like on the app, right? People do like the Scrabble or the words. Yeah, with the friends. words with yeah. friends. It's like the stuff. only game I'll ever play on the phone. But uh, cool. Good stuff. All right. Uh, You'll have I'm to excited. ask Ben Brooks. Yeah, we will ask Ben. Let's welcome Ben to the show. We are very excited once again to welcome our special guest, Ben Brooks. He's the founder and CEO of Pilot. Inspired by his successful CEO and executive coaching practice, Ben saw an opportunity to, to democratize executive coaching and empower employees at scale. He invested his life savings in founding the company with a mission of ensuring everyone feels powerful at work. Pilot was named the number one HR tech startup to watch in 2020, and HR Executive Magazine has named him one of the top 100 influencers in HR and technology in 2019, 20, and 21. I suspect in 22 as well. I think. Uh, welcome back, Ben, to the show. Ben, how are you? I'm great. Lovely to be here. This is a great way to start my year, and I'm pumped to know that I'm your first guest of the year. First guest of the year. We, we actually talked with you on this show about a year ago in January of 2021, so we thought it fitting to kind of kick off the new year with you again, sort of like we did last year. Uh, uh, ben, any, uh, do you want to weigh in on the game question? Are you a game player, or do you have a game you, you, you sort of enjoy? Yes, a bunch. Um, games are fun. And, you know, like play plenty of, you know, old school Nintendo as a kid, but I loved, you know, the, it's funny. When you asked the question, I thought about the game, believe it or not. And I kid you not, it's called careers. <laughs> oh, a, right. like, I, like, it's so like, it's like, Oh, how did we know that Ben was going to do this? Like, <laughs> and, and there was this game that I don't, my mom, I think got it. I don't know, maybe at a garage sale or something, but it was all about how you would make different career choices and it would involve, you know, how much money you'd make or how satisfied or the meaning of the work. And I loved that optimization. I also loved the game of life. Careers. Yeah. And so the game of life, I always love the cars and the day of reckoning and the, you know, the kids and the pit pegs. And I love that because there was both of those games are optimization games and life and careers and work and business is success is optimization. You're making trade-offs, you know, is a, is a, one of my exes once said to me, you, you can have it all, just not all at once. And I thought it was a profound, you know, thing. Mm. And, and I think that that's what I really liked about those games is there's some strategy and some trade-offs, which can be painful 
But there's also, again, sometimes you play the long game where you, you know, you see some other players in games like that, they'll go for something right away that's quite tempting. But you sort of know that you're, you know, it's a tortoise and hare thing and you're the tortoise, but you're going to pop up at the end and be like, boop, boop, I won. So yeah, that's pretty awesome. I have to look up that game careers. I had not heard of that one. That's cool. I, I dig that. Uh, ben, before we get into uh, the conversation, I maybe just if you'd like to give us a couple of minutes on what's been happening at Pilot, maybe kind of a update of uh, 2021. I'm sure like many other organizations, you and your team went through plenty of challenges and certainly with the, the clients you're working with and the coaching that you're delivering, helping people get through a lot of challenges themselves in 2021. Maybe give us a little recap slash reset of what's been happening in Pilot. Yeah, I mean, a wild year for everybody um, is, is someone just, is, I saw an expert describe, um, we're all in uh, the same storm, but in different boats. And I think the boat for pilot, or maybe the airplane, a uh, better metaphor, um, you know, uh, you know, 2020 was a, was a wild year, 2021. I mean, we were a remote first company since our founding. So our learning curve in remote has been not much of a curve, it's been pretty flat. And frankly, you know, remote Pure remote is far easier and cleaner than hybrid in our experience. Hybrid is often um, the worst of both worlds, in my view, and it's going to be a real mess for employers. We're helping them figure that out. But, you know, from a team dynamics and inclusion, we've done a, a lot of fun virtual painting events and trivia game show things, and all sorts of stuff to bring people together. Um, but from a business perspective, a lot of our customers very focused on how do we retain people with the labor market being insane how do you know most employee engagement in DEI things or focused employee experience is focused on an in-person three-dimensional experience. And when everyone's on a Lenovo laptop working on Microsoft Teams and Outlook, it's a commodified 2D experience. And so that's been a big thing they've been focused on. And then, you know, as you mentioned, Steve, we'll talk more about is kind of that burnout and fatigue and uncertainty it's weighing on people. And so, you know, for us as a, as a company, you know, we grew significantly. We actually closed more business in Q4 than Q1, 2, 3 combined, which wow. is amazing. And mostly from our large customers like Nestle and IHS Market and Diageo and MetLife, big customers that um, we've worked with for quite some time and love working with. We won an award for uh, the future of work in DEI innovation because companies are really needing to show rather than tell their commitment to DEI. It's very easy for an executive to put out a statement, we value diversity, equity, and inclusion. But it's another, but the employees are sort of like, well, show me. And so part of that is how do we cultivate internal pipelines? Because it's, you know, there's a lot of focus on recruiting, but what about people that are already at organizations? People say, are you, you missing me here? Where's my opportunity? Do I have a future here? And if they don't, they flip that switch on LinkedIn and recruiters start coming in, right? So um, that's a, in employees have a lot of power. And so that's really for the last year and a year or so we've been focused on and really codifying, we added a pretty cool new aspect of the pilot product, which is this, you know, it's a six month developmental program, groups of employees inside of an organization go through it together. When people do things together, they have better outcomes. You train for a marathon, you raise money for charity, you get sober, you do it together. It's better. So we have a peer community. That's a part of that. That's supportive. Employees do reflection every week, which in these crazy times, getting to focus on oneself and focus on the future to pull up is so important. We bring managers and employees together, which is so critical because they're more disconnected than ever. And we have managers give employees feedback about the future, not the past, about who they could become, who the Trish or Steve 2.0 looks like in the year ahead. And then we support that, Steve, to your point, with group coaching. And so we bring in coaches, hosts, and producers for these really dynamic 
group coaching sessions that are live. They're also recorded. And the component that we added that were two components is this, this executive firesides, because we realized that we need to bring executives in and give employees access, in particular in remote. There's no town halls. There's no skip levels. There's no special meetings that employees get to see some of the top brass. So we're bringing them into the pilot experience with these fireside chats, something that happens at big companies, you know, Oracle and big companies of the world. You have these offsites at a golf course in Scottsdale and the top mm-hmm. people are on the stage and the overstuff chair. We're duplicating that in our product and in right. a, in, it's involving board members and executives, investors. It's very, very cool. And then the measurement and management, because one of the things that HR struggles with as a pain point is it's great to buy things. It's a nightmare to roll them out and get people to use them and then prove that they work and show the ROI. So we've really invested in that experience for our champions and program managers at our customers. And so it's been a year. I mean, it was a, a exhausting. I was worn out. I, I stopped. I gave a job offer on Christmas Eve. Wow. To a new head, you know, new head of customer success. I, I called her and I said, hey, if you're busy, you know, this doesn't affect your chances. Just call me after the holidays. But she called me back 15 minutes later. And I said, if I were you, I'd want a job offer on Christmas Eve, too. So I'm giving you one. So. <laughs> So, so up until that That's was a great story. Day, yeah. Last day of work was Christmas Eve. And she said, this is the best Christmas present. And we have a tradition. We typically courier a bottle of champagne to anybody. Um, once we get the offer letter within an hour, that's kind of the standard we have. Just want to celebrate and have the family or if it's flowers if they're not drinking yeah. or something. So it was a really nice way to cap off the year. And then I totally disconnected because I do much better when I, uh, I'm not, a, not much of an, there's, you know, separators and integrators. If you think of Thanksgiving, there's the people that keep their food really separate on the plate. And then the people <laughs> that kind of have a big, big national, I'm the separate guy. I'm like a bento box. And so um, I do better with when I'm just completely off. So I disconnected and I need to model that for my team and for our customers as well, that it is okay to disconnect and to take time off. Even if my 5g cell phone and cloud services work anywhere in the world, yeah. it doesn't mean that I'm always on. Yeah. That's awesome. How's that for how's that for a quick? <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, I, I think you guys are. Um, it's it's interesting because with uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about is just how people are kind of uh, and organizations, right, are managing to kind of sustain sustain energy, sustain positivity, kind of keep going as we head into year three. And so far in 2022, some of the news in society has not been great, right? We have got another wave of COVID going around, lots of things being canceled as we speak today. Some big school districts around, uh, at least in the United States, are announcing plans to shift to remote. And just, uh, I, you know, I'd love to talk, Ben, your perspective on both from your own personal view, right? You said you disconnected fully over the holidays, but also with the organizations you're working with, what are some of the things that you're seeing and doing that that can be helpful to kind of just not allowing ourselves and our organizations to feel like really just weighted down by just year three of what we're heading into? It's a, it's a great um, question and one to your point that I've been grappling with personally, and I can speak to kind of my personal experience as well as what I see the marketplace and customers and the economy dealing with. I can tell you as much as it's wonderful to be the founder and CEO of my own business, it's a heavy burden and very challenging. And so, you know, at the end of the year, I mean, I was at one of my lowest burnout points of my entire career in Q4, despite the success of the business being so great, right? They were sort of unrelated things. And so part of it, you know, for me, was like a a clean disconnect, getting some help with stuff, you know, and hiring some people to take care of some things and saying no to more things. But one of the things I spent a lot of time on the break was thinking about the future. Because what I realized is I really haven't set personal goals. I'm, you know, I have business goals, I have financial goals, (laughs) hiring goals, product goals. What about Ben goals? What about the things that matter to me? 
and, and, and I set them usually every year, but the last two years, they, you know, after you know 2020, they went out the window and the goal was essentially survive, right? Don't yeah. die of COVID. I mean, literally, I mean, live in New York City, I'm in Manhattan. I mean, if, you know, your sirens running every day. And I mean, it was, you know, Armageddon like situation in the spring of 2020. And then, you know, and so, and then 2021 was so bewildering. Yeah. I think where we were, you know, January 1st, and we're going to have a peaceful transition of power and insurrection and this and that and everything else that happened in the economy and COVID and vaccines. And so one of the things I've done is one disconnect and like really, I think we've got created really sloppy habits about some separation from work in, cause we never, we never, none of us were really trained for hybrid or remote work. Right. And because the technology now works anywhere, there's like this assumption that we're the machine that works anywhere in any time. And it just does it's not sustainable. And then, you know, to focus on goals. So I, so I actually wrote out, I have a accountability partner, a fellow founder. I meet with every month, the first Monday of the month, we have an evening chat and a glass of wine over zoom. Mm-hmm. And we write down our goals and we talk about pretty much everything, but work. Because work for us is really locked, like it's figured out. We got structures around it. But what about our happiness, our well-being, our satisfaction? And it's a question that in kind of my lowest burnout, I work with a therapist every week, which is a very important routine for me is to, to go and have that time. My therapist is very, he's good. He challenges me. And he says, simply, I want you to think about one question over the break. And I was like, okay. <laughs> he said, what needs to change? And he said, specifically, what do you need to change? Like you can't change and have the pandemic over. Right. That's out of my control, right? I can't change a lot of other things. I can't change that it's crappy gray weather in New York in the winter, right? I can't change that. But what can I change? I actually wrote a pretty big list about, you know, using my phone less at night and getting yeah. better sleep and mm-hmm. having some transitions after work, taking a walk, you know, around the block and having some sort of transition and, you know, connecting and reaching out and calling friends more often and all those, you know, positive mental content diet, you know, mm-hmm. uh, getting less wrapped up into all the crap that's served to me in terms of news feeds and, and things and more being intentional about things that I'm passionate about or interested in or that make me feel good. So that's on the personal side, Steve, yeah. that, I'm, that I'm kind of seeing. I think our customers, we're seeing that they're really struggling to have employees feel connected to work. Yeah. To their, I mean, if they've hired people in the last two years, many of them have never shook in the hand of their supervisor. Yeah, they've never been to a facility. I mean, they the, the, their employee experience was a, a FedEx box showing up with a laptop, and they sign up for the same tools they were using at their last employer. How different is this? You know, they've they they often have not had social events or done other things like that. So they're really thinking in a way that I think the the hope was we all hoped. Remember, remember the beginning of the pandemic? It was like, well, this will be over by Easter. You know, that was the some. I mean. Like two weeks. Yeah. I was like, right, oh, two, two weeks. weeks. We'll be home for two weeks. Everything will be cool after that. Yep. And, and, and so I think employers are now realizing that they need to plan for this to not be this like temp. And we've kind of had wishful thinking the whole time. That, oh, we'll be back in the office before you know it. Think about the amount of cycles HR has wasted on a return to office plans. Oh my gosh. Sure. Nine. Right. Um, testing and mandates and vaccines and all of this, right? And it was a huge wave of uh, the, the tech companies diving in to build those apps or, or put them on tablets that you can mount to the wall to check in and uh, control the number of employees who are going to be assigned to get on the elevator at one time, right? You have, totally. Here's your elevator. T- it's like riding, it's like a fast pass at Disney World on totally. Space Mountain. Here's your elevator time slot. Here's where yeah, you reserve this and can, you know, and where, who can be in the conference room? And is there, I did, I went to a conference space and there's a conference room, but there's plexiglass between each person 
gosh. It reminded me of an internet cafe in like 2001 or something. And when I was studying abroad in Spain or something like that. And so I think employers are really having to grapple with, and they don't always have a lot of answers. And we're helping them obviously with the pilot product because we have an answer in that regard, but it's not the only answer, but they're really needing to reshape the employee experience. And part of the burnout for managers and there's a lot of research around women in particular, McKinsey and uh, Lean In did some research. Women are carrying, managers are carrying an even greater emotional labor burden because the well-being of employees, you know, there's been some separation. You go to the office, you kind of don't always know what's happening outside the office. But, you know, when the office is coming to the employee, yeah. mm-hmm. that, you know, we're seeing that managers are like, holy cow, I'm, you know. People are getting divorced and they're having health concerns and I'm hearing about childcare things and they got this and they got economic stuff and their living situation and all of it, natural disasters, all of it. And so all of it is really, really challenging. And so it's really the skills. I mean, the, you know, employees are not equipped to work remote and virtual to nearly the, the, you know, because it's, it's really a different game and managers are not equipped to manage in a crisis situation and virtual and remote. So they're really investing a lot in development and an employee experience that gets back to the fundamentals because so much of employee experience is, has been like bullshit soup, you know, with just, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just like, you know, it, it's, it's what we called engagement 10 years ago, right? Which was like, oh, you've got a taco truck. Awesome. That's engagement. You know, oh, you've got, you know, like a beer fountain. That's engagement. You know, like, I mean, it could be engaging for, you know, a window, but but really they're getting back to the fundamentals, which, you know, if, you know, you're talking to a family member or friend or a loved one at the dinner table, they ask you a question often. How is work? How is work today? Simple question. We all get asked this question. And the things that affect the answer to that typically are not the taco truck or the beer fountain, except maybe the day that you had the tacos, maybe yeah. if that's mentioned, the answers are around, do I feel connected with my you know, colleagues? Did I know what I was supposed to work on? Were the expectations clear? Was I given praise or appreciation? Was it an environment where I feel like I was valued or respected or heard? Do I feel connected? Do I know what it takes to be successful? These are the less sexy, but fundamental things. And we did a, a webinar with Paychex, actually. You know, Pilot and Paychex did a webinar together. And we talked about the employee experience. 80% of it is the employee-manager relationship. Mm-hmm. And anyone HR knows, right? People join organizations and they leave managers. We said that for 30 years. And yet we've got keep getting away from it because it's hard to affect that relationship. But to win the battle in the war for talent and the great resignation, people are largely not leaving great managers when they have great relationships. Whatever perk or thing that people have across the road is far less compelling because you know, most employees have never had good managers. And when they have a good one, they know it. You know, it's, I'm, gosh, I'm making notes like crazy, Ben. I could ask you a million questions, but just something you just said really resonates because even when you think about companies you've left for whatever reason, right? Whether it was layoffs or just time to move on or better opportunities, whatever, those managers who were great remain in your life, I would imagine. Like for me, I still have them. I still can go to them for coaching. I still go to them. So it's not even about being within those four walls with them. And I think that when you were talking about, and Steve was talking about sort of all the preparation that companies have been doing these last, you know, 24 plus months, um, 
to me, it kind of strikes me that those are all about separation. It's all about how we separate people while trying to bring them back together. And I think that that is just wasted energy, really. I mean, I get that there's an element of safety once we all do return. You have to have a little bit of that. But instead of focusing so much on that, I wish they would be focusing more on how do managers maintain the connections? Because when you just listed off that laundry list of things that people want from a, a good leader or a good manager, that is not different if whether I'm sitting at my desk at my employment place of employment in the workplace or whether I'm working at my desk at home. I still want those same core functional things from my leader to make me feel like I matter, like I belong. So have you, I mean, are you seeing companies, I, you've got a ton of clients, I know, but obviously some, some large ones too, but are there certain ones that are really just kind of standing out in terms of maybe approaches to, to that specific aspect? Like, what are you seeing being successful um, with some of your clients in terms of realizing that that connection shouldn't be different just because someone's at home or are you? I mean, it, that's, there's a, so much in there, Trish is great. And I think it's, it makes me think of, was it James Carville, the political strategist in the nineties, he said, the economy stupid. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, it's, it's the manager stupid. It's relationship stupid. I mean, that's yeah. what we're talking about. We're like all this other stuff and blah, 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 blah. And it's this yeah. fundamental thing of humans are related creatures. It is in our biology, in our, in our evolution to be connected with one another. And so you know, organizations that are getting this right, you know, that you think about organizations, a lot of organizations had wellness days in the last year, they had forced wellness days, you know, some organizations did that and then had senior executive meetings on those days, which talk about a, 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 a toxic message, you know. Um, but if you've had a quarter of disconnection from a manager, feeling isolated, not knowing where you stand, not feeling engaged, your wellness day is a day you're probably going to do interviews somewhere else. So some of these things that have been tried now, I'm not against wellness days. And frankly, there is something really wonderful about company-wide shutdowns, whether it's for a day or a week, because it's actually operationally much easier to have a whole thing shut down often than to have one person out is, you know, uh, can create a lot of things. So I'm not against that as a a concept, but the organizations that are really working on this are upskilling and setting standards and expectations for these people. And they're measuring and they're making sure, you know, managers have been reticent with the great resignation to give feedback. But talk about unintended consequences, employees think, well, I'm not growing, so I'm out of here. Whereas the manager doesn't wanna give feedback because they don't wanna push them out, but by not giving them the feedback, it is pushing them out. So, so you know, it's more frequent communication, it's better quality, future-focused feedback, you know, it's bringing people together, even virtually, for non-meeting things. So I think people are like, oh, we're together all the time. We're in Zoom and death by Zoom. And the, you know, people haven't really figured out asynchronous work and all of that. And there's no flexibility, which pisses people off when they need it most when schools are closing and this happens and you gotta go get a test because your you know, neighbor exposed you and all of this stuff. But oftentimes it's to say, what is that? You know, we, we're missing out on the, the, the baby shower, the happy hour, the celebration of the new big deal the company closed the milestone of somebody, the, what, you know, the, the 10 year, you know, anniversary, how do we celebrate? I'd even throw in like the retirement party, like for for someone who's been around a long time, say, and had a great career and we're celebrating them as they leave. Right. That was always a kind of a cool thing Mm -hmm. in in that co-located kind of setting. And we're not having as much of that, but yet we can, it requires some ingenuity, 
right? It requires some things. I had a, a milestone birthday this fall and my team, God love them. They're great. They just, just the most incredible, diverse, magnanimous team. You know, I had a one-on-one with my executive assistant and it was weird because she's like, let's, we do calls. I was like, let's do Zoom. And then I was in the waiting room. I'm like, what's this waiting room? You know, because <laughs> you know, internally. And then they're like, surprise. And, oh, nice. the whole screen. and then they had pulled together videos from my friends around the world and my family oh. and put together this montage. And it was the best part of my birthday, frankly, was this, this moment and, it, you know, in, in, you know, we're a remote first company, so we wouldn't have an alternative to do it in person, but there was a the thoughtfulness. It took some effort. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I think that when we talk a lot about, you know, empathy and emotional intelligence and compassion and connectedness, you know, sometimes we talk about it very much about ourselves, you know, that we need, which is important, right. And as a coach, it's super important, but we also need to kind of extend and consider others, the milestones that they're having, or also the challenges, you know, people have been getting divorced. Mm-hmm. People have had, you know, people die in their lives yeah. and for COVID and non-COVID, right? All these other things, how are we celebrating? So just, you know, using our best instincts, but, you know, sometimes we have a resistance because like, oh, well, normally we'd have a lunch. I don't know, we can't have a lunch. You could. We've had some of our customers, you know, have virtual lunches and they send everyone a Grubhub gift card mm-hmm. and everyone gets to order food and they all get on and they, we help facilitate a thing or we have some fun or we celebrate, so I think some of the companies that are doing the best job of that are really leaning into the classics of what works with the creativity of how to do it virtually. And so it's not that we need to think of some bold, oh my gosh, ever a retirement party people freaking love telling stories, roasting somebody a little bit, you know, you know, yeah. uh, wishing them well, all this stuff. We can still do that, you know, and figuring out other organizations are doing stuff like, you know go to Central Park in New York in the summer and have a picnic and do some things that are, you know, good in that regard. And also I think smaller intimate things, because sometimes people are like, oh, well, we're connected. We have a town hall. Well, mm, that's... That, that's less connected. It feels less, you know, whereas again, using breakout rooms and Zoom, one of the things we do with pilots, we, we have group coaching, but then we do breakout rooms of three people talking to each other. It is the highest rated part of pilot is employees <laughs> just talking to each other. That's it. And, and, and yet you'd think, well, God, they can talk to each other any time of day. They got tools to, I mean, got probably five different tools at their company to do that. Why don't they, you know, but we're hosting it. We set the tone, we can help get the topic, create the space, the energy, we curate the people. So there is something like hosting the party that happens. That's really magical. Those are some of the things that I'm seeing organizations do. Now there's cool thing. I have one of our first consultant ever to help with pilot. He was on CNBC last night. I'm so proud of him. He's a co-founder of a company that they're, um, they're giving Botox to employees. And that's getting people into the office, you know, a couple of, you know, and they do it on site in the office. Um, and then they have a certain, you know, kind yeah, of, I hope they're not sending it to their homes and saying, right? hey, yeah, a DIY and you know, <laughs> you know, one of these, but, 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 you know, but there's some things that they're there, or they'll have, they'll host a certain, you know, a speaker or they'll have certain kind of food or a certain fun thing that they will do. That is a draw, right. To kind of like, what do you get people to do? And, you know, food and beverage is one of the biggest draws of, you know, right. it's amazing what people, even really Richie will, will do for food or, or beverage. So that's another thing that can work. But I think it's, again, it's this sort of, communal piece that's beyond because everyone's like perform what are our goals and what's how do we cascade this and what are the kpis all very important but so much of work is relational and social and we choose to do things whether we like people or not or if we feel safe with them if we respect them if we know them you think about the you know the, the three of us have known each other a while 
And if I had to, I don't know, reschedule today or something, you probably would cut me some slack because we know and like each other. Right. And I would communicate with you in a level of transparency of what's going on with me. Whereas if we had never had time in Chicago and Vegas and New York and the other places that we've spent some time, mm-hmm. probably be like, who's this jerk? Doesn't respect our time. So, so the so the same behavior is looked at through a totally different prism. If you don't have what's often called a background of relatedness, yeah, there's a you know just a personal. I hit home, Ben. That's that anecdote because Trish will know this too. There have been a few times over the years doing this podcast for a long time where someone has pitched us really hard to come on the show that we don't even know, and we we book that person and then they reschedule like on the the day like, before or, or right before, and I get enraged. But um, and it's it's because I don't know them and you know all that. We don't have that we don't have that background or that basis so, or 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 that that relationship. Then you mentioned our friends at Paychecks earlier. I want to take a pause, Trish, and then right now to thank them. Uh, they, of course, are the sponsor and supporter of the HR Happy Hour Show. Paychecks is one of the leading providers of HR payroll retirement and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. Financial capital has long been established as a key driver of business performance, but today, business leaders are increasingly recognizing the importance of their human capital in driving success. Download Paychecks' latest guide to discover why breaking down the silos between HR and finance can result in better business strategy and growth, as well as 14 simple HR metrics your teams should be tracking and why. To download this ebook, please visit payx.me slash FDM research. And thanks, of course, to our friends at Paychex. I saw, you mentioned CNBC too, Ben. I saw our, our friend Marty Mucci from Paychex, the CEO of Paychex on CNBC the other morning as well. So uh, good stuff for them. And uh, boy, uh, real, real aside, Trish, though, I'm going to be writing about payroll next month in HR Executive. Ooh, that's my favorite. I know. It is cool though. And, and <laughs> you can help employees with payroll and payroll solutions more than you think. There, I'll just throw that out there as well as my teaser. So it's um, very strategic, I will yeah, say. It really is. Payroll and, and benefits, extremely strategic part of the business if you're if doing you think, it right. If you think of capital E employment that includes not just W2, but contractors and vendors and the broader piece, mm-hmm. you've got people that work with Pilot, for example, that you know that are you know on 1099 or they're different companies or vendors. And we do surveys. We're like, you know, what do you like about working here and everything else? One of the top three things every single time is you pay us on time. You handle all. We do the invoicing for them. We send them the, here's what you did. We did because why? Because we get a, we have control over the quality, nice. right? It's less work for us. It's consistent. It's a great experience for them. Yeah. They have no admin to do. So, wow. and we pay on time every time with, you know, a great experience for them and technology and all that. And it seems like such table stakes, but they're like, you're the only, we work all these big companies, everything else, the bigger the company, the worse they are at paying people in particular, if you're not an employee and, and talk about a way to sort, <laughs> oh, we know it. <laughs> sully a relationship, right. Is you got, you know, these, these jerks in finance, frankly, that are put erroneous payment terms and don't set up the people in the AP team to, or they outsource it and this and that. And then all of a sudden it's like supposed to be 30 days and it's 90 or whatever. And when you're worried about money, think about your engagement. When you don't feel it's like, what's the point of doing work if you're not going to get paid? That's like the basics. Yeah. Right. So if you're not, and so that's a thing. I mean, talk, talk about it, you know, keeping people engaged and things like that. Make sure that they're getting paid in particular outside of the W2 realm, because that's where it's so sloppy and messy and variable. And I will tell you, I know all sorts of talented freelancers and consultants that are increasingly unwilling to work with Fortune 500 companies 
like they think that they're the big bad wolf and all this. They are jerks because we can't get paid. And if we get paid, I do better work. So that, you know, you think about engagement, payroll, they come right together. Yeah, they sure do. Absolutely. Ben, Um, oh, good. I'm sorry. No, no. I was going to ask if you could maybe, um, you know, we're talking about a lot of different things here. Um, in thinking about what could be really impactful for, for people as they go into this new year and things maybe they're not doing or, or haven't tried yet. Can you just share a little bit more? You've mentioned it a couple times here on this, this giving feedback about the future. And I, you know, to me, like the only thing I think in my career, I could even think that might be a little bit like that is like a stay interview. Mm-hmm. Can you maybe talk about how that's different than a stay interview that maybe people have tried? I'm sure that's not even widely adopted, but what does that mean? What does that look like? Because that is just a really different approach, I think, in, in building that future connection as well. So could you tell us a little bit about that? I know you got a, a couple of nice cars. Pick what's, what's what your favorite car? What's, what are you? Oh, my favorite car uh, is BMW uh, Z4. So the Z4. So the difference, right, is most performance management, talent management, development, you're in that Z4, but you're looking through the rectangle that is the rear view mirror. Mm-hmm. And so most of it is, hey, it's the end of the year or it's even the next calendar year and it's January, February, and we're talking about 2021. And we're talking about Trish in March, you know, mm-hmm. you were delayed, delayed on that report or this presentation didn't go as well or we missed the numbers for summer. And so we're in the rear view mirror mm-hmm. talking about the past. So I'm giving you feedback, legitimate, critical feedback. Right. What can you do about the past? Nothing. Right. And it often leaves the employee disempowered, even though employees say they want feedback, which, by the way, there's three reasons people when they ask for feedback, they often want actually recognition or they want confirmation of status where they stand. And sometimes they want critical developmental feedback about how to get better. So it's really good to slow down when people say they want feedback and say, well, tell me a little bit more about what you're looking for before you dive in. But in the Z4, the future feedback is through the windshield which is a much bigger field of view, which is about where you're going, not where you were, which is something employees get excited about rather than disempowered about. And so you're talking about what's possible. What does Steve 2.0 look like? So if I'm saying, Trish, hey, in the year ahead, you know, you did some great work with, with partnerships and clients last year, Trish, but what I really see is expanding those relationships where the average partnership is double the initial size that we had last year. And I see you being able to do that by really getting better at discovery and finding out the strategic things, really setting the expectations around what other people pay and what the market rates are, and really throwing in a lot of extra value and getting a quick close. So I'm getting you excited in this example about looking through this windshield about doubling the size of the average partnership that you might close this year, which is something you can do something about. And oftentimes in doing that, I really suggest you almost give an aspirational name to the development objective. Right. Because we, we talk about it in such sterile, almost like the government or something kind of ways where we're like, you know, attention to detail or something. <laughs> well, what if I said, Trish, I want you to be meticulous or I want you to be, you know, um, you know, flawless or something. And again, we don't want to probably have perfection be the example. But but if it was something about this, it was like, you know, if it's beast mode and that inspires you or something like that, you know, or, you know. Right. You know um, you know, that, that like, we're going to talk about that, you know, we're going to be, we're going to like, you know, really, we're going to go, we're going to move from, you know, you know, um, going for fish for going to whales and you're going to be a whale hunter. And it's like, let's talk about whale hunt. And then all of a sudden we kind of have this code name and this game and it's fun. Right. When you think about what works with kids, right. Yeah. If you want kids to learn, you have to make it fun. 
Right. Adults aren't that different than kids. So, and then, then it's less shameful or defensive of like, oh, am I not going to get my bonus or am I going to be a three rather than a four and, blah, 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 you know, and all of the stuff that people have all this resistance and then they feel bad and they want to fight against it or sandbag it. And instead it's saying, hey, you're at level seven in the video game. Here's what level eight looks like. And I've got the pathway for you to crack through the ceiling so you can get to the next level of the game. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, that's so insightful. And I think just the way that you are, I don't know, just the, the analogies you give, it's, it's so <laughs> nice to be able to connect that to an actual business action, which is sometimes I think where a lot of us miss the mark because we're using the old terminology. We're not making it fun. We're not making it creative or something personal. I love that idea of just having a very personal kind of a code word system. Like you're saying that that's really, yeah, cause it, something I, just, people I, can so turned off. I always was really turned off or uninspired in my past when I was in corporate roles where you felt like, you know, take some competency out of some catalog, right? That was very sterile and didn't really have to say necessarily a direct connection or could certainly couldn't be inspiring. Who, who's inspired by attention to, attention to detail, right? Your example, Ben. Oh. But you could be inspired by, you know, uh, the flawlessness thing or whatever, whatever, you know, just a different way of phrasing it and, and makes yeah. it a little bit more personal, makes it a little bit more, I don't know. Yeah. Fun. I think that, that's probably if really it's stellar. Good. If it's stellar work, stellar yeah. work product. And it's like, right. Oh, this is this, I want to do stellar work. I want to create stellar work product. Right. And if that inspires me, and again, you get into this part of knowing people in the background of relatedness that if, if I know, for instance, that Trish loves Japanese food and she goes to Japan every other year and she's obsessed with the, I might say, hey, you know, the meticulousness in an omakase restaurant, you know, and we say like, I want you to bring kind of like oh. Japanese sushi mastery to your work. And all of a sudden I'm connecting it to something that matters to you. Yeah. I already connect. We're already talking about your car. So you're already in something you like. Right. Something that brings you joy and affinity. Oh. So that's where the personalization of some of these conversations, rather than what Steve, you're talking about of the catalog of like, Click right. here, move yeah. over. That's why like the AI side of all this stuff, I think is total crap because there's the AI is never going to figure out how to do this stuff in our lifetimes. Like this is nuanced, complex, personalized things. Yeah. Uh, ben, we, we could go for a long time. We have been talking a while. I want one, one last thing from me though, just, and I know it's probably going to be hard to give a quick answer to this, but I'd love to just maybe give me your one or two kind of top things to think about. We've discussed and you've written about this and you've talked about how the 80% of the employee experience really is that manager-employee relationship. I do feel like organizationally, we put a lot of pressure on managers and often don't give them tools, resources, support, right, to be successful on their side of this relationship. Just with that said, and you can disagree or agree with me if you want, but uh, what would be the one or two things you'd advise our listeners to say, what can we do to really give the managers the support that they need? being that they're so critical in, in, in helping shape these experiences? I mean, talk about the million dollar question. That's a brilliant question. I'm going to give you a maybe slightly surprising answer. Okay. Have better employees. Interesting. So we, we, you're exactly right. We, 40 years of management consulting has been the middle managers and how do we make managers better? And everyone talk about, you know, the punching bag, you know, seniors, like, our freaking managers are frontline or this, you know, there's a lot of that. There's more tools and development we can give managers for sure. But supervisors are usually, usually only 15 to 20% of total headcount if your spans and layers are efficient, right? Mm -hmm. What about the other 85% of headcount? What is their part to play? So what we think about a pilot is how does the employee meet the manager halfway? 
because it really is a partnership. When you get out of the subordinate kind of power dynamics where it's kind of almost paternal in nature, mm-hmm. which people freaking hate, right? And you make it a partnership, say, actually, employee, you've got to pull for the feedback. Employee, you've got to initiate the one-on-one. Employee, you've got to know your manager's goals. Employee, you've got to clarify the expectations of your work. You've got to ask for help when you need it. You've got to advocate for yourself. You've got to get your needs met. You've got to set your boundaries. You've got to manage your work-life integration and balance. That's the totally unexploited. I mean that in the best way of the term. You know, kind of, you know, that that is the, the juiciest fruit, the ripest, giant, you know, ruby red grapefruit that is ready for the squeeze is better employees because what they do is it creates a groundswell and an updraft and it puts pressure on managers to up their game. Yeah. Because when the employees are coming correct and they're showing up and they're being assertive and they're being clear and essentially being more self-managed and self-directed, which is ultimately future work. You want to sum it down to a term, self-managed, self-directed. That is the future work, right? Crap changes all the time. You got to be a critical thinker. Simple things are going to be automated, outsourced, robotics, et cetera. Future work is you got to be self-directed and self-managed. Let's help employees do that because it'll naturally force upstream the managers to be better. Yeah. I love what are your thoughts on that, Steve? No, I love it. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. As, as someone who's managed them, someone who's coached, right. In, in different settings, like they always say in sports, right. The, the best, co- what's, what's one, something that's similar across like the very best coaches in any sport. Oh, they happen to have the best players. Like I'd be a pretty good coach. If Larry Bird was on my team, say in basketball or LeBron James is on my team would make me look really good as a coach. That's a very simplistic way, sure. uh, analogy, but I do think it's an apt one for sure. And I love the idea of, of kind of that, that, um, pressure and that kind of upward pressure to say, Hey, you know, we've got hungry employees, hungry to develop, to learn, to grow, to succeed, to have their best, uh, best experience at work. So you've got to, you know, step up and help them help support them in those goals. I love it. Yeah. And the bonus I'll just add is then employees in the part of doing that realize their manager is not their only source of resource inside of an organization. In the military, they call it a single point of failure where there's only one place you go for something. Yeah. We don't want a manager to be a single point of failure. People could get feedback from, I don't know, anybody else at an organization, a customer, a vendor, a cross-functional teammate, so, you know, anybody, a customer, you know, anything like that. And so you start to have employees reduce the density or reliance on the manager for everything, or even to HR and their business partner for everything. And they start to do more self-service and they start to be more self-directed. And they, they try Googling at first. They look on the internet. They, they ask a colleague, et cetera, you know, before. And it, and it reduces their dependence and increases their agency and self-sufficiency. Love Good it. stuff. Uh, ben, uh, we could go on for a long time. We probably, here's what we should do. Maybe instead of doing like the annual check-in with Ben in January, like we've done the last couple of years, maybe do like a, do a half yearly, you know, kind of, you know, let's, let's see how the, how the world's looking, you know, maybe June or July and, and, and see, see what the things we talked about today, how things have kind of played out over the, over the, the prior six months. I think that'd be pretty interesting. I'm very, I'm up for quarterly if you want, man. We'll do yeah. it. But we'll, yeah, we'll you want to take over? You just want to host the show? I could take you, some time you know. I'll, yeah, exactly. You know, I'll, get, I'll be a guest host. I don't know if I could, I mean, big shoes to fill, but, uh, yeah. um, but <laughs> I was going to uh, say, I think I'm going to leave my job. I want to work for you, Ben. No kidding. Ben's You're going to give me work. all this great feedback and for future feedback. And I'm going to feel amazing. We're, we're, hire, we're hiring. So come to pilot.coach and, <laughs> and, and, and let us if know. You, if you do get hired, Trish, you'll get that bottle of champagne sent right over. We learned that oh, as yeah. well, which is pretty exciting. Exactly. Pretty so, and it's the, good, like it. and it's the good stuff. 
you know. And uh, it's so great to see you again. Great, glad that you're well. Glad that pilots churning on all cylinders through another year. And uh, it's pilot.co is the website. Pilot.coach, C-O-A-C-H, like a coach. So pilot.coach, pilot.coach. Check that out. And you can find Ben Twitter on LinkedIn, of course, right? You're out there. You're very active, which is awesome. Very active. And I love connecting people on LinkedIn. So please don't feel like shy. Some people are very like, oh, I don't know him. Just add me, send me a connection request. I'm going to approve it. Right. And then I share a lot of content. I write a column every month and we share a lot of value added things. And so let's connect because then I can connect you to the resources and all sorts of people create a lot of comments and things that I post and people meet one another and stuff. So let's, let's, let's spread the network for everybody. Absolutely. Good stuff. All right. Well, great to see you, Ben. Thank you so much. Uh, Trish, good to see you. Happy new year. Happy new year. Uh, it's been great stuff. Thanks everybody for listening to the HR happy hour show. Thanks to our friends at paychecks, of course, for all their support, continued support into 2022. Check all the show archives at hrhappyhour.net and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For Brand Books, for Trish McFarland, my name's Steve Bowes. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now.